right, welcome back to the Fantasy Island Fantasy Football Edition of the Double I Show. Are you with me today, T? I'm with you. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to stay divisional, man, and we're just going to get right into it today. We're talking about the NFC East. So I'm going to head and start this thing off with the New York G-Men, the Giants, the Mighty Juggernauts. Mighty, Mighty Giants. Definitely a fantasy-relevant team because there's been so many guys with hype in the last couple of years that really haven't lived up to it. I'll start with the main guy there is Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is a guy that's just very intriguing to me, man. I mean, if this guy can stay on the field, look out, he's a league winner. I had him in the league one year, and it was the year he only missed a few games and came back at the end and just tore it up. And when he tore it up, he won me my championship. So it's a tough spot with him. Last year, they're saying his injury came because he was running hesitantly. I had to keep that word in my mind there and make sure I said it right. But they said he's past that now, and we'll see that. He's got a new offensive coordinator who I think is going to use him a little bit better and spread things out and get him more in space is what he needs. And I think he's going to actually have an opportunity to have a great year. He just has to stay on the field. The quarterback situation there is tough, T. I mean, you know that. I know that. You know, so I think the fantasy relevancy at running back really has to just focus on Saquon and not really worry about the backup to his position, even though he is injury prone. You know, and then talking about the quarterback position, can Danny Dimes do anything? You know, the first six weeks last season, TEA was doing really well, you know, before Saquon got hurt and then everything just derailed and he looked like shit again. He looked like the same old Danny Dimes running an 80 yarder and tripped on himself and shit. You know what I mean? So. I don't think that position can really excel or do anything there. And hopefully this offense, the new offense that they're running with Brian Dable can be more friendly to Danny Dimes. I don't think he's a league winner. I don't think he's a relevant guy. I probably won't even get drafted. But I think there's an opportunity for him to take some big steps of what he's been doing in consistency wise the last couple seasons. So, you know, Dable gets the credit for making Josh Allen who he is because Josh Allen was very mediocre coming out of college and took some very big steps in a couple years, steps that really nobody else has seen in the NFL. So let's see if Dable can do that with Danny Dimes. And if Danny Dimes can do that, then it sort of changes the dynamic of the whole offense. That offense is only predicated on two positions, really, is the quarterback and the receiving core. They're building up their receiving core. I like Sterling Shepard there. He's the mainstay. He's been there for a while. He's going to be there. If he can stay on the field, then it's another guy, soft tissue injuries. If he can stay on the field, he produces T. And he even actually produced with Danny Dimes last season in a pretty mediocre, shitty kind of offense, right? So true. I understand that they're questioned there, but... The kid they got last year, he's got some talent. That's Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony out of Florida. He was really hyped last year, was injured, played in a few games. The games that he did play, the one thing you see is he's got that little juke and he's got that little spin in space, dude, that he could just separate. And not many guys have that in the NFL. I believe he had a couple games last year where he blew up. I want to say eight to 10 receptions, a hundred and some yards, maybe something like that and a touchdown. So he had these great, great stat lines last year. 
I think he's going to take a next step this year. His thing is working on his body. I think he's a little bit one of those guys who's really had to or hasn't had to work to keep his body right because he's that much more talented than everybody else, his physical abilities. And he's realizing in the NFL that's not going to work for longevity. So I think that that's really what's going to happen there. He's got to work on his body. He might miss a couple games this year. His ADP is a little higher this year than it should be. But then he's still going in the sixth, seventh round kind of thing. I'd probably prefer him in the eighth or ninth round. I don't know if he'll last that long just based on how these drafts work and operate. But I really like what he can bring to the offense, and he can really break one for a long for the long scores too. Tight end wise, they got rid of Evan Ingram, so there's really no relevance there in their tight end room. I don't think they really are going to do anything. I don't think that there's going to be any splashes at tight end and in Dable's offense. He doesn't feature a tight end anyway, so it's really going to be up to Danny Dimes and those two wide receivers I spoke about to really step up and go in there. If Saquon is healthy, they're really going to integrate him into that passing game more than the running game. I think they're going to lean heavily on him in that passing game, a la Brees Hall or something like that, and to get this guy in space so that way he can be more effective and not take the big hits and stay on the field. So, but it's a tough spot, T. You know, the G-Men, unless you're a Giants fan, it's really hard to draft guys from there. It's really hard now to even to draft Saquon. You know, but if you're in a keeper league and you got a stud and you got, say, like a Najee or somebody like that, and Saquon's your second guy, you probably got to keep him just because of his potential. Other than that, man, it's a tough list to really jump onto. All the other guys are mid to lower tier guys. But that's the G-Men in a nutshell. Nutshell. Ah, that's you know what that's really good there king there that's a lot to to take in so you're up now and you got the dallas cowboys is that who you're talking about i got the cowboys so first thing that's going to be relevant that everybody's talking about let's just start off with the wide receiver position right you don't have amari cooper anymore now it's the cd lamb show right they ship cooper off to to cleveland so now this is this is CD Lamb's opportunity to shine. This is his his team on the wide receiver side. And I got some concerns with him. I do think he's going to be a, a big fantasy guy. He's been big fantasy for the last three years or last two years, excuse me. But at the same time, I really think that because he was going up against the number two guys, you know, on the defense, on those corners, he hasn't had to worry about going up against that number one corner. And now he does right now. He's at focal point. And what is he going to do with that? I do like his upside. I do like his potential. I think he's highly fantasy relevant. And I do think you need to draft him high. But I also think that he's one of those guys where he could also have a very downed year, right? You got Michael Gallup over there. Michael Gallup is coming off of a torn ACL. We He hasn't even been on the field yet. We don't know what he's going to be like. Everybody's saying that, you know, he he's probably not going to be back until, you know, the fourth or fifth game. We just don't know, right? And Michael Gallup got the bag during the offseason while he was hurt, which kind of speaks volumes to how they value him and what they think of him. But I also, at the same time, really think that 
you know, you got to you got to be a little bit leery about this wide receiver situation over there in Dallas. They went from being a very good wide receiving core to having a lot of questions, which also leads me into the guy throwing to them, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott every year is extremely fantasy relevant. He's always going to put up those numbers for you. He's not going to blow up and be, you know, the the guy that's going to put you over the top, you know, in, in, in your league or anything. But if you're looking for a guy that's going to just get you consistent points week in and week out i mean dak is not a bad pick you know dak gets points and so for me if you if you're looking at a quarterback and dak is like the top quarterback available at that i wouldn't hesitate you know i wouldn't try to try to you know get too cute with somebody else i'd go dak you know dak is a good guy for that my question when it comes to the fantasy relevancy on this team leads me into the running back situation. Zeke Elliott, ever since he got the bag, his numbers have declined every single year. And it and, and this trend continues with him. They feed him the rock. They feed him the rock because they have to, because they gave him so much money. But at the same time, he's not even the best back on his team. To me, the more fantasy relevant guy is Tony Pollard. He's really... Right now, he's slated as an RB2, but really in production, he's better than Zach. Yeah, Zach had more rushing yards last year than he did, but let's be honest with you, Pollard almost got as much as many yards as he did with far less touches. You know, Pollard is big coming out of the backfield. He's just more versatile. I still think they're going to feed Zeke the ball. I still think it's going to be a heavy Zeke type of situation, but Pollard, look for him to start to shine and start to break out more and more. And my last guy on this team right now, the one guy, and I, King, I know you and I differ on this guy. I know you have issues with me talking about this guy like this, but it's Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz as a tight end is highly undervalued, highly underrated. His numbers last year were close to Gronk's numbers, and Gronk is considered as one of the top guys. So Schultz is an under-the-radar type of guy. He's going to ball out this year because it's a a very sketchy wide receiver situation over there. So he's going to get his touches, and he's also in a contract dispute. He wants to get paid as a top tight end. He's starting to show that he can creep into that top tight end type of category, and so you you got to look at that and expect him to be able to have a huge fantasy relevant season. And that's my take on the Dallas Cowboys, King. No, pretty good. You know, and I agree. You know, I think Tony Pollard is the best running back in that room in that in that area. But I, I still think that Jerry Jones is committed to Zeke. Zeke is he's good, man. And if he can stay healthy and we'll see their offensive line was a little shitty last year too, T. So let's give it that. And Tony Pollard gets his yards in space where they were asking Zeke to go up the middle. So we'll see how that goes and we'll see how he does this year. But definitely, you know, a team to look at. You know, I think the absence of Amari Cooper is going to be a lot bigger than what, like, a lot of people think. You know, obviously you touched on it, so you nailed it. But, yeah, man, I mean, it's it's going to be tough for those fucking guys. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into it now, and I'm going to go ahead and go with the Washington Commanders. Another highly potent fantasy-relevant situations over there. 
obviously, right, with every team, you know, what makes a team more fantasy relevant, and we talked about that, was the guy pulling the trigger. The guy who's throwing that ball and touching that ball every time it's snapped, that's a quarterback. They've been struggling to that position for a few years, man, and really haven't had anything going since RG3, to be honest. Kirk Cousins sucked a nut there. They just couldn't get it going. And Come on, man. Fitz magic. He lasted a game, dude, and blew out his hip and then played the rest of the year. Poor old fucker. And I love Fitz magic, dude. I was a big Fitz magic. I love some Fitz magic. Yeah. But, yeah, so they got Carson Wentz on the retread back there, and you'll see what his head case can do. And this guy's basically finding out that it's basically between his ears. Not that he can't grasp an offense, but he's just a fucking idiot that he can't stay on teams. So it's, I don't think he's the long-term answer there. I don't think he's the long-term answer anywhere. He's probably going to push himself out of the all soon. So I don't even think there's any relevancy of talking about him. I think he will be serviceable and he'll make some guys have some fantasy value. And I think there are some guys on this team with some fantasy value, you know, so that leaves me right. It's like I said, that's, that's a trigger of the position, but there's still guys there with some fantasy relevancy and things that, you know, I want to make sure and talk about here. And, you know, obviously I think the last couple of years, Antonio Gibson has really got a lot of pub and a lot of hype. He hasn't lived up to any of it. He's been injured. He hasn't been used the right way. He hasn't played injured. He has a toe problem or a reoccurring toe like Julio Jones. I don't know what's going to happen in that backfield, but I will say this. There's a rookie, Brian Robinson, that's out of Penn State, and this kid's hungry. He wants to touch that ball, and he wants to run. It's making Antonio Gibson think twice. The first preseason game, Antonio Gibson got the ball and was the same old Antonio Gibson. Fumbled the ball. Next thing you know, they benched him. Brian Robinson came in, tore it up. They played Antonio Gibson the second half. This last game, Antonio Gibson looked good. So he's got some urgency with him, and that might be what he needs. So I'm not sure what to do there. I think both these guys are mid-tier guys. They both understand the offense. They both know what they want to do there, and they want to run the ball and play defense. I mean, let's be honest, that's another one of those defensive coaches there who's probably not going to be that successful, and they're not going to be that wide open offensively. But it doesn't mean that they don't have pieces. The other pieces they have are in the receiving core. You know, well, before I even move on, I got to throw this out there because I want to include him in the receiving core because he really doesn't rush the fucking balls. J.D. McKissick. That's another guy who's got some fantasy relevancy, right? But again, you'll probably get him towards the end of your draft. He'll be on your bench. He's not a starter. You can plug him in for injury or bye weeks, and he might have you that big week. He's going to have some really big weeks, but then he's going to be disappear for eight to nine weeks of the season. But there's going to be some weeks where he's going to be fantasy relevant. Going and continuing that passing game, you have Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin was holding out before camp started. He got paid. So there's no issue there for him anymore. And he is actually a very talented receiver playing with these piece of shit quarterbacks they have for this guy. He's been putting up decent numbers. I don't think he's going to be where he's been drafted last season after his breakout year the year before. But I think that there's an opportunity for him to go high in a lot of drafts. I wouldn't trust him just because of who's throwing him the damn ball this year. But on the other side of that, that's the other thing that sort of messes me up with McLaurin this year is the kid they drafted to, Josh Dodson. That kid's pretty good. 
And everything that I've seen and everything that I've read, everything that I've heard is this guy's the guy making the difference in camp. He's the one who's making the plays. He's the one making the splashes. He's doing what he's doing there. And he's taking all the shine away from anybody else on that team. So if you believe in the hype, if you believe in what you're hearing in camp, where camp is for the rookies to shine and for these backup guys to shine, because they really don't want to stress and put wear on the older guys. They just want to make sure that they're in shape. That's all. You know what I mean? So there is an opportunity for these guys. So with that, I get it. But if you're looking for the upside on this team, I think the upside is in Brian Robinson and Josh Dodson. And I'm not sure if I would even be parts of the other guys, McLaurin or Antonio Gibson, just knowing historically what their ceilings would be. And I know they'll both have some flash weeks and have some good numbers, but consistently overall through the year, I just think even more regression this year for both of them. And you look at it going into next year, their draft position will probably be even a little bit lower next year. So buyer beware on the Washington commanders. That's very, very true. Extremely true. I, I, I am not bullish on the commanders at all. I'm very bearish on on everybody on there. You know, even the tight end, Logan Thomas, set up last year to have a big year. Doesn't really do it. And he got hurt last year as well. He did. So it's just one of those themes, man. But you know what? Who's up next, right? The last team in this division coming to you. The, the Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles. Fly. Fly. Which leads me into the number one thing coming into the camp and and for the year this season for the Eagles, right? Everybody is, I mean, the pub around Jalen Hurts is huge, right? Everybody's talking about him taking the next step, the next step, the next step. Last year, he showed very big flashes, right? But a lot of it was that the coaching staff didn't really scheme and didn't really do things for him. It wasn't until the end of the season when they really started to create the offense around Jalen Hurts and really make it geared towards what he does best, right? And I think that's why everybody is so big on the fact that he needs to to really take that next step. So by taking that next step, I really think that Hurts is going to have a pretty good in PPR is going to have a big fantasy leap this year, right? So I'm really, really looking forward to and impressed with what he potentially can do. Now, that being said, they went out and got AJ Brown, right? So they went and traded for him. He's a clear number one receiver, right? My only thing is, is where where Brown came from, he had, he had a quarterback, Tannehill. Tannehill was and is a pure passing quarterback, right? I mean, yes, he can run and scramble a little bit, but he wasn't a scramble first or or one of those hybrids. He wasn't a Jalen Hurts by any means, which means that Tannehill's looking to pass first and foremost. And because of that, Brown was able to get those targets. Now going into that type of situation with Hurts, I don't know what that dynamic's going to look like. All I know is Brown is huge on Hurts. He's coming 
he's coming into camp wearing a hat that says hurt season, right? So the whole entire team is rallying behind him. The, the, the freaking coach has a, a shirt with Hertz face on it. I mean, this is crazy, right? So everybody is setting up Hertz to have a great year, which means Brown is going to have a big year, which leads me into the next receiver, Devonta Smith. Last year was his rookie season. He had a solid, not great rookie season, right? He showed flashes of brilliance and everything. And he did, you know, get some, some big plays and he did have some fantasy relevance. What I look for him with this season is I look for him being able to take that next step with Jalen Hurts. And the reason being is because now he's not going to be on the number one guy, right? The number one guy, the number one corner is going to be is no longer going to be on him. That's going to be on Brown. So that alleviates a lot of that pressure. And so now Devonta Smith's going to be able to feast on that number two role, which is going to be better for his development anyway. He will be that number one guy or has the potential to be that number one guy down the line. So I really like that. When it comes to running back, King is where I kind of start to be a little bit shaky. I don't like their their running back situation. The only one with fantasy relevance is Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders, you know, he's already hurt this year in, in camp. Everybody says that it's not that big of a deal. He'll be okay. You know, they didn't resign Jordan Howard, which means that Miles Sanders clear cut RB1 there. But he it does come with one of those caveats where, you know, where do you draft him? Because he is injury prone. You know, to me, he's going to be an RB2 on anybody's team, maybe an RB3 or 4, depending on how he falls to you. But I would not go after him as, as my RB1 if I'm looking to, to score points at that position. And lastly, and I think, King, you're really going to like this because I think I know you're high on this guy is Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard as a tight end is one of those under the radar tight ends that is looking to be elite. He has the potential to be elite, but he hasn't been able to because he had he was behind Ertz. He was doing that dual type of situation on the tight ends. So I really do think that now that Ertz is gone, he's going to take a bigger leap and a bigger role in this offense. So, and he's a big body, right? So he's going to be one of those guys that's going to benefit and have a huge monster season this year from a fantasy standpoint compared to what he had last season or the season before. He just has that potential. So I'm looking for a big breakout for him. And King, that's a Philadelphia Eagles. All good points, T. You know, really it is. And, and I think they're one of the teams, too, in the NFC East that can actually have more than one or two relevant fantasy guys. You know, and I, for sure. I like their backfield. I think their backfield is serviceable. It's 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 good for drafts where you have, you know, more than the 15 picks or 16 picks. And you have to pick late round guys. Boston Scott always produces Wendell Smallwood. I think might take a little step this year. So they got some pieces there too. And yeah, you're right. It's crowded. But one thing I think you can count on in that backfield is like you said, Miles Sanders getting hurt probably. Yeah. So yeah, he goes down every single. All right, man. So we pumped through the division pretty quick, man. So let's go ahead and go with our top three. You're going to go ahead and start this off with quarterbacks in the division. Your top three, you go T. All right. My number three quarterback in the division this one is a tough one. I, I, I got to go with Donnie Dimes. Donnie Dimes is my number three. It's not a great number three, but it is what it is. 
My number two is going to be Jalen Hurts. I look at Jalen Hurts taking a big step forward, but not big enough to to move the needle enough to go into number one. I think that's going to come next year. And number one, Dak Prescott. You know, Dak shows those flashes. Dak puts up those numbers. He's a good leader on the team. Dak's my number one guy in that division for quarterback. You know, and I think that's probably a lot of people's list, you know, but you know what? It's not going to be mine. All right. So I'm going to throw mine out there. Of course. Number three guy. I'm going to go and throw Carson Wentz in there. You know, I I just, I have nothing for Danny Dimes. I just don't feel like I put him on any list. I just wouldn't do it to myself. So I'm I'm basically putting Carson Wentz in there by default. My number two guy, Dak Prescott. I think that the loss of Amari Cooper, the injury to Michael Gallup and the loss of Cedric Wilson I think is going to be tremendous. I think C.D. Lamb is going to struggle just because of how the defense is going to sort of rotate to him. And I think it's going to affect Dak quite a bit. I think he'll get better as the year progresses, almost a la Patrick Mahomes last year, how he couldn't figure it out in the beginning, but then he got it. I think it's going to be like that, but I think it's going to really affect him this year. And I'm going to put Jalen Hurts number one because I just think he'll take that step. Wow. Yeah. You're putting your coconuts out there on Jalen Hurts. Huh? I mean, I did last year and he just it was a year too early. So I, I think they utilized him more at the end of the year for what he was, T. And you know that because I talked you into him in a couple of leagues, but I thought he would run more. I thought he would be more effective runner and they didn't utilize him like that till the end of the year. So right. let's get into running backs, dude. So I'm going to go in and start this list off. All right. I'm going to go in number three running back in this division. Which is a, it's a good running back division. I mean, it's decent, right? I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson. I'm still going to put that guy up there, even though I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I'm going to put him at number three. My number two guy, Tony Pollard. I agree with you 100%, mm-hmm. but I know that a million percent that they're just going to play Zeke out till he can barely walk on the field. And my number one guy in that division still, Saquon Barkley. Again, I just feel his upside and what he can bring when he's healthy and on the field. If he could just stay on the field even 14 games, T, I think he's the class of the division. And that's those are my top three running backs. That's a good list. That's a really good list. All right. You know, what you got? I will... I will say this though, I differ, and and I'll tell you why. N- number three for me is Miles Sanders. As long as he can stay healthy, I think Miles Sanders is going to be that number three guy. I agree with you on the number two Tony Pollard for all the same reasons, and I even agree with you with number one Saquon, especially because he's in a contract year and he's got a lot to prove. So I, I, if if he runs the way he's supposed to run and can stay healthy he's he's gonna have a monster year yeah and it's that's it it's the ifs if if he can stay healthy stay on the field he's a class of the division so moving on to wide receivers t you go ahead and start this list i know this is a little bit tougher list because there's not too many in this division but hey you go for it dog it is a tougher list because there really really is it you know it's kind of one of those things where I, i i don't spread it out only because I'm, I'm going to pick two guys from the same team this year and I'm going to go with my number three is Devonta Smith. I do look at him to be able to make a big step and I do like him. I like what he did last year. 
And I think being being able to go up against number the, the number two corners is going to help him. My number two guy, CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb's, you know, he's going to have those regressions just like what you talked about. And, and I have those concerns, but he's going to be my number two and number one, AJ Brown, you know, he's going to be Jalen hurts uh, go-to guy. He's going to be his outtake, uh, you know, his outlet. So I got to go Absolutely, with uh, AJ Brown. Yeah, no, I get you with AJ Brown. I think the same thing, you know, I mean, he just, he's the guy there pretty much, you know, and he's at the top of my list as well. My number two guy was CD lamb. My number three guy was McLaurin. So we're pretty close yeah. on that as well. Pretty close. All right. Pretty close. All right. So now talking about your your MVP of that division, T. Wait, wait, wait. No tight ends, Key? I know there's not much to talk about, but you got Dalton Schultz and Goddard. You have two. Which is it's your one It's the same as everyone. So basically, again, we know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about those <laughs> two guys for like 10 seconds. That's basically what you got in the division. They're both mid-tier guys. You know, like you said, there's a handful of people who feel like maybe Dalton Schultz deserves to be a little bit higher, just like Fryermuth. There's a group of guys who mm, think yeah. he should be in that group until he does it to me. I just don't see it. I think Goddard's been historically in that mid-tier. So, yeah, no, I think that's about what they are in that division. Fair enough. You know, Fair So enough. go ahead and talk about your MVP, T. Who's going to be your MVP of that division? So my MVP of this division is it's kind of easy and it's kind of obvious, but it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is going to be taking that big step this year and he's really going to start to shine. I think the the head coach finally figured out we had a scheme for him and they really know how they're going to they're going to roll him out this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that he's set up for that. You know, I'm going to go ahead and buck the trend a little bit and go with old injury prone Saquon Barkley. I think that they can, you know, if he can stay on the field, he's going to be, again, the class of the fantasy in that division. Just if he can stay on the field. And that's what it is, you know. Right. I, I think my bust, basically, I think is is pretty easy. But my bust of the division is going to be, until he retires probably, my bust of this division is going to be Zeke. I just don't see how they just keep giving him, I guess, the love. You know what I mean? And all these ADPs, even when they rank him lower, he's still a top-ranked guy. You know, he's still pretty True. ranked pretty high. And it's just like, for what? He stinks. And he's at an age where he's just done. So I know he comes into camp every year in better shape than he was the year before the last three years. But guess what? It hasn't helped. So that's my bust is Zeke. You know what? I'm going to stick with the Dallas Cowboys for my bust, but I'm going C.D. Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb, you know, because of the wide receiver position and, and, and the questions with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper not being there, it, they, they just have too many question marks over there, you know, with the receiving core. And I really think that he's the he's kind of going to take a big step backwards. So to me, from a fantasy standpoint, he's going to be my fantasy bust. Yeah, I can see that 100 percent as well. So, yeah, that wraps up the NFC East, T, man. That was pretty good, man. Pretty quick. Great. But good job again, T, man. We're going to get going. Again, remember, join us on Fantasy Island, the Double I Show Fantasy Football Edition. I am R.W. King. And I'm Sweet T. And we are out. Yeah.